to AA Opera Podcast, episode... 36! Woohoo! Woohoo! Yeah, wow, like it's incredible that we've gotten to 36. I know we keep saying it, but I'm just always impressed with us. That's all. I'm just very impressed that, that we keeping this up. Anyway, how have you been, Mrs. After, after Everything? <laughs> um, yeah, I feel, uh, feel great. I'm back in London now. I got back yesterday and, uh, yeah, I feel refreshed in some way. I mean, it's been very busy. There's been a lot of food and a lot of alcohol over the last uh, week uh, back at home in Northumberland, but uh, it's good to be back. And, um, yeah, it's it's nice to, to chat to you again properly. I felt like I was I, I felt like I was off the map. Like I mean, for those of you that don't know, uh Northumberland it's very hard to get a signal wherever you are. <laughs> um so um it was uh, it was quite hard, but probably very good for me to uh to be off of my phone for, for so long. <laughs> it's like going to visit my uncle's house in um in my great uncle's house in, in Boston. It's like you walk into the area of 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 where he lives and that's it like cell phone service goes away and then you walk into his house even where there is wi-fi and there's no wi-fi because it's like there's like tin in the walls or something (laughs) like you're just sitting there like can i just uh like waving your phone by the window is there any signal here nothing nothing not even like a phone signal you're dead yeah yeah how have uh how have you been whilst i've been away I've been fine. I've been, um, you know, busy, uh, busy getting my recital out of the way and getting some other projects off the ground. But um, no, I'm good. I'm I'm ready for a break. Yeah. But we will get there. We will get there soon. And I'm just feeling very pumped and motivated today. I just like it's been a. We just recorded a different podcast yeah. that I just can't wait for you guys to hear. So I'm just like. Yeah. <laughs> I always feel really pumped after we record a podcast. It always feels um you know, gives gives you a boost, doesn't it? Um, yeah. But anyway, on to today's podcast, we have the wonderful Alexandra Lowe, um, soprano. You may you may know her. She's a, a young artist um, doing great things. So without further ado, let's dive in. So just to tell our listeners, today we are joined by Alexandra Lowe, uh, soprano. Thank you so much for coming on today. It's really great to meet you virtually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But would you like to just start off by introducing yourself to our listeners? Uh, Absolutely, yes. So uh, as you heard, I'm Alexandra Lowe um, and I am a soprano. I'm 28 uh, 29 soon, geez, my geez. And um, yeah, I was born in Mallorca in lovely sunny Spain. And I lived there until I was 16, uh, went to Spanish school. And then um, I moved over to the UK and then carried on my studies here. But that's a basic outline. Oh, I'm, my parents are from Lancashire, so that's where I get my accent from. Although it, it drifts into a southern southern vibe when I'm around southerners so but I'm up north now so I sound like right proper northern lass so you're in uh, you're in Lancashire at the moment I am yeah I'm at home in Cleveleys very very nice excellent <laughs> um your studies were centered around conservatory studies um from undergrad right through to Guildhall Opera School which is amazing opera school it is <laughs> um how did you how did this training prepare you for the professional world yeah um okay so 
I actually worked this out this morning. I actually have, have done like in conservatoires and training. I've done sixteen years. I mean, sixteen years, and that's up to uh, that's up to the National Opera Studio, which I'm just yeah. finishing. So my goodness, it's just so long, isn't it? So you think I'd be uh, able to do it all by now, but hey, you're just never ever ready. I'd say that. Um, but yeah, I'd say. Well, I did three years in the Junior Royal Northern College of Music, and. Um, uh. That was, like, for me, that was really important because I, I didn't read music before I went there. And that, you know, I went there when I was, I would have been 16, turning 17. So they sort of caught me up um, and prepared me for conservatoire level. I did take a gap year as well. So I actually started my first year of undergrad when I was 19, going to be 20. And I'd say that in my undergrad, like, not aside from, like, having a lot of fun, you know, because you got to have that. Because that's what you do. <laughs> I say this on interviews, I'm like, just enjoy yourselves. But seriously, I mean, like, you know, life is too short and it's a really, really intense journey. And if you get too bogged down in the nitty gritty too early on, I think it can just become a bit of a, like, it's a long way to go. So just enjoy your life as well. That's great advice. I, I think we haven't had anyone come on here and just say, enjoy yourself. So. <laughs> I, that's me. And, you know, if you if you ever meet me, um, then you'll probably realise that I am, I suppose I'm quite relaxed. And, and, you know, it wasn't always like that. I did go through a bit of a wobbly where I had to, like, you know, deal with lots of, you know, just confidence issues and things like that. But right through my undergrad, I was just, like, on a bit of a cloud, really. And I loved singing and, you know... I think the undergrad was really good for just, you know, a bit of a covering all bases, I'd say. Mm. And I would, I wish I'd done a bit more of my languages. And, and I wish I'd done that earlier on, actually, sort of in my late teens. Because, uh, yeah, it's just, that's the main thing. To be able to think in the language that you're singing in. I mean, that's the goal. Um, and, yeah, had I done that a little bit earlier... I feel like I would have, it, yeah, in my master's and now even, that would be easier. But, yeah. you know, I can do it now, but it did take a while to get there. Sorry, with that being said with the languages, though, it's not that I, I, I want to be a little bit of devil's advocate on the language side. It's, they don't, we don't get taught the languages at conservatoire though, to speak them. We get taught them in order to properly use the diction. And I think... Yeah. That yeah, that needs to be a change in the curriculum. Not just, it's not something that we should work on ourselves. Um, right. So, well, I know, I know, and and like when I was at the the Royal Northern, I, my first year, I think we did Italian, and that's one hour a week, and then second yeah. year you do French, and again, and then the third year was German, I think. But oh, that's not enough. It is just not enough. You're you're re you're absolutely right. Um, and you know, my pronunciation was always good because I spoke Spanish so I always had this sort of natural instinct there but you can I think just when you're learning your songs learn your you know you don't have to sit down and learn how to speak the language but when you're learning your songs say in German right I'm learning German at the moment it's been my Covid project <laughs> I mean it's taken me so I'm like nearly 29 to do it but there you go um so yeah just when you're learning your your words just try and really think about the, the sentence structure. You know, you don't need necessarily a teacher to teach you that, but, you know, even in song languages and poetic languages and things like that, 
you can learn so much from that without having to necessarily be able to speak it. And I think if I'd even paid more attention to that, rather than just, you know, you pick out your main words in a song, and when you're performing them, you think, you actually, I tended to drift more into picture land. So you're singing a Strauss song, and you get to this lovely phrase that's talking about the stars, and you start thinking about the stars, but you don't think in German what you're actually saying. And I think that's where you need, I mean, that was me, obviously. And that is, is really hard to, to keep that, con that consistent language in your head when you're singing the phrases you know I mean? and it's really tricky when it's not your first language um mm. but I think if you if we if I'd aimed to do that a lot sooner by now when I you know now when I'm I've been learning Gretel in Hansel and Gretel you know I see words that I know and I and then you start to make make the connections and and I think if you just focus a bit more on that when you're like earlier on I think it can really help later yeah, on that's a really good point so yeah, really yeah. Point. So, um but yeah so that was undergrad and and obviously you do lots of song classes and performance classes and they're like why are you moving your right arm and you're like yeah but Anna Nezebko does it all the time and they're like yeah but you can't get away with that in undergrad you're like you don't understand <laughs> but it's so true that you know you just need to listen and yeah just I'd say get the basics right in undergrad absorb as much as you can sort of thing anything and everything I don't try and run too soon like just try and iron out just get your technique solid just be able to present yourself comfortably you know and then um when I was in my fourth year and I actually worked out I was actually 23 in my fourth year of undergrad and that's when I did my first role at the Royal Northern College of Music um and then I did two years masters after that so during those three years I did lots of uh of roles at the Royal Northern and I mean that's where you really really learn you know that's it's a really safe space um and yeah I'd say that was the one of the biggest like influences in my in my training really is is that the switch into so from undergrad to masters is that when you'd advise sort of to start focusing more on opera if that's the route you know you want to take I would say so yeah I'd, I'd always uh, do song alongside it because I think if you can sing song uh, really well your technique will be really good because opera I mean I actually didn't do that so I spent like all those three years doing loads of opera um I got marked like partially on my opera roles rather than on my recital because I, I just spent all my time doing that um which was amazing but I think technically you know I was really pushed I was singing like Fior de Ligi and Theodora it was like really loads of stage time and you can you get you can get quite emotional when you're doing opera with all the like moving around and I think if you're not careful that can take a bit of a toll on your technique as a young singer going too early so I would always try and just check in with song because it just brings you back to, you know, zero and centers you yeah. in a way. Um, also, so many great songs out there that you can learn so much about acting too. Exactly. Oh, exactly. <laughs> you just don't have to run around whilst you're doing it, which is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so then once I'd left the Northern, I went to the Guildhall Opera School, as you said, and um, that was incredible. The training program there is like it really gets under your skin you know they they kind of like I mean how am I going to use this actually say it, but hey they peel back the layers of the onion oh wow oh wow <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah it's true it's true and 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 that was hard for me because i'd gone from sort of being in my little bubble at the royal northern for like a long time to coming down to london and and actually my opera school year was incredibly talented i mean everybody just was like jaw-dropping amazing you know and uh and we just all like we did bounce off each other we sometimes clashed of course but um i mean when it's such an intense program and you know that's tricky sometimes um but it really spurred me on to like up my game i suppose you know Mm. you started to like think oh this is like where i really had to really start thinking in the language um Mm. they'd be like what were they'd literally sit you down first day of opera school at the guild hall I was doing Tatiana scene and uh, I was also doing Contessa and another one I can't think of now, but they sit you down or all, all everybody in the scene and they make you go through it word for word, not only what you're saying, but what the other people are saying. And imagine doing it Russian. It was my first thing I'd ever done in Russian. It was so scary. And, you, and, and then they'd be like, yeah, but it's, and you'd say something wrong, but it wasn't, it wouldn't be wrong. It'd just be like, you've said the sentence as you understand it. They'd be like, yeah, yes. but what does that word mean? And you're like, uh. but you know, everyone really worked so because we'd sort of been warned about that, and it was like mm. Dominic Wheeler and Martin Lloyd Evans who like run the program. Yeah, there, waiting for you. Yeah. Anyone listening that is due to go to Guildhall, then get on it. <laughs> be prepared. Be prepared. So yeah, that was that was stressful, but it set me up. You know, I mean, that's that's that was the beauty of it. I can't, I can't, I just can't do a performance now without being that inside the text you know fully prepared absolutely fully prepared yeah <laughs> that was my journey really yeah and then it and then it was that you went straight from Guildhall Opera School into National Opera Studio very well known uh, amazing institution would you like could you tell us a little bit more about what that entails um so the main thing to know I would say about the studio is that it's not like a training program um and i see it more as a year of um of opportunities and like exposure Mm. but i suppose that depends because you know they do take on a really wide range of people so for me having been through by this stage in eight years in conservatoire how they they really teach you how to be a professional singer you know you're really prepared for that so i felt like i was fine and i just sort of went there and we did scenes and we got exposure to like opera north and welsh national opera we worked with amazing directors and and that was really really nice you know uh but they don't do singing lessons so for me that was a really big uh deal because i had actually just changed teacher to yvonne kenny when i went there and i was in a really like big going through a big change vocally so i was like right i need to find this money to pay for my singing lessons and you know their their motto at NOS is we don't teach here we we don't teach you how to sing we support you through this year and we we put you out onto a platform um which is exactly what it does what exactly what it says on the tin if I'm honest like you know everyone all the opera houses suddenly know who you are which is really nice you know yeah that's the difference between uh, you know when you're in an opera school there are how many opera schools in London, plus like the masters at the Northern and the Scot- Scotland and all that. So you're just one of the many people in that pool. Then when you go to the studio, you're one of 12 singers uh, at the studio. So that, it just makes you stand out a little bit more to... Um, yeah, it's kind of like, um, 
weeding out from like time to time. You go from like 40 people in your first year of bachelor and then it's kind of like, okay, then there's less people in master's and then there's even less people in opera school. And then you're like this small group that made it all the way to, to national opera studio. And then it's like, it's just basically giving you the opportunity to stand, to like climb a vine in a way. Yeah, I think it's so important to stress though that, you know, as you say, they don't teach you to sing there. I think that's important because not everybody thinks that. Um, can I just ask as well, is is NOS um, funded for like the singers? Do you have to pay to go there? Uh, so you, the course is free. And so if you get onto it, then... I, look, my advice to anybody who... Because I know people who have sort of been given opportunities down in London, for example, and they're like, I just can't go because I can't afford it. Um, they're like, you you will do it. Look, if, if the conservatoire really, really wants you and you've got half of your money, so you've got £6,000 to come down to live on, just come and they'll sort you out. Do you know what I mean? You can, you can write to... I mean, nowadays, I mean, I can't say. But... <laughs> yeah. Just don't spend all your money on going out like you can in Manchester. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've just got to be a bit more frugal and, um, yeah, careful with your money. But the National Opera Studio isn't... They don't pay for your living unless you can prove to them that you're in a lot of financial need. Yeah. We've talked about we've talked about that quite a lot on this podcast. Um, you know, ways, ways to make money apart from relying on regular... Um, money from singing because especially during if you're still in conservatoire um, that's not going to happen you cannot be doing a course like well I mean when I was even doing masters at the northern as I said I was doing a lot of operas you just can't you can't you can't rely on that at all it's like being a full-time opera singer and then doing a, a job on the side i used to go busking i don't know if you've seen this it seems to be everyone picks up on my busking life um but it was great money you know you'd go you'd go out you'd spend an hour or two singing you'd, you'd make between 75 and 150 quid on a good day some days it was a lot less but you know that you know that was a really good way for me to get through my undergrad in manchester london's different you can't really busk but um yeah just do it just don't be just speak to people this is you know i'm sure we'll touch on my concerts like the charity concerts that i did you know i met a lot of sponsors through doing those concerts you know and they you know they came to support the charity concerts but then you know i would plug i'd be like i'm desperate for money you just get a thousand two thousand here and there people who believed in you you know but they saw drive, I guess, and like real ambition and uh, that I was trying really hard. You know, no one really understands how long it takes to be an opera singer unless you tell them, you know. So they were like, they started watching me at 17, 18 when I started doing these concerts and they saw me at 26, 27 when I was looking for money for my opera school and stuff. They were like, they couldn't understand why I hadn't made it yet. But I was, you know, I was the reason that I, I explained that to them. I was like, well, this is actually how long it takes if you want to be at the Royal Opera House. You can't just walk through life and get a record deal like Catherine Jenkins did. You know, that's just, that's not what we're all aiming for here. But, you know, that's, yeah, that's a really good way of getting funding. But you've got to put yourself out there for it. Yeah, if you don't ask, you'll never know. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's what I say. <laughs> You have a very extensive portfolio of competition success and 
Um, what have you learned from those experiences and are those essential in, you, in your opinion to the development of a good singer or of a singer today? Personally, they've been great for me because obviously I've, I've won quite a few of them or I've been in the final for quite a few of them. I mean, that's the, I can't say that they haven't helped me. So, but are they essential? I'm not sure, you know, because I have lots of friends that didn't and they've taken their own path. And so anyone listening to this that might be like, oh yeah, but I need to win this, this, this and this to get recognition or get into the Jetty Parker or whatever it is, or opera school. You know, it's when, when a panel looks at your CV, they don't look at your competitions. They, they don't. They, what they look at is your performance. That's what matters. If you nail that, you can, have, you can have flown over from a tiny place in America, for example, and absolutely smash your audition or your, you know, whatever it is, and they'll give you the job. They're not going to be like, well, she comes from nowhere and she's got no credentials. It's not how it works. So, but for me, yeah, I mean, when I was, my first one was my junior ferrier and I got the second prize in that. And uh, the whole experience of a bigger competition like that one, where you have like lots of singers from different places, um, is, you know, it's just quite exciting and you, you get to see what else is out there. You're like, oh my God, everyone's bloody amazing and you get to compare yourself. It's really unhealthy, to be honest. I'd, a lot of them were in internal competitions within the Royal Northern. So a lot of them were just uh, competitions within my year. And I, you know what? They're just performance opportunities. That's all they are. They're, any competition that I enter, if you go in and you're like, oh, I really need to win this, it's, you're, abs- you're not going to go anywhere. You just need to see it as a performance opportunity and, you know, if you're trying out new rep, just try and, you know, just experience that opportunity and deliver, enjoy it. Don't put any pressure on yourself to win. Like the Glyndebourne Cup, I honestly, I was like, this is such a like, I just entered it on a bit of a like, well, why not? Let's just see how I get on. Um, and then it sort of went really well. But it did go it did go really well for you, Alex it did uh, I was like super excited to ask you about this today because I remember uh, uh, uh sitting on uh, sitting watching it on Sky Arts and just like you could set I could sense through the TV screen like the magic in in that room it was like it was it it, it was just sensational and I mean is would you say that's the biggest competition that you've you've entered and I just like how did how did you deal with the the pressures of that is is what I want to ask you. Um, okay, so yeah, I so the say two years before the Glyndebourne Cup, I'd been at the Guildhall, and I had a huge crash in confidence there, um, and I just couldn't like a lot of auditions that I did. I I honestly I was so nervous. I was just like shaking. I could not control that that feeling dry mouth that you know try and sing comiscolio when you're feeling like that it's just not going to happen um and I knew that I just had to sort something out so I I sort of I really just focused on my technique because I knew that if I could trust my technique more then I would have the confidence to just do it well I didn't know that before before that in a way but let's let me just go back quickly to the Clonter Opera Prize because that was a year before when I did the Clonter Opera Prize, I was like, I'm going to give up singing. I can't cope anymore. It's it's horrible world. You know, it's too competitive. It's really hard. And I was just really struggling. Like, and um, I was going through a lot of personal issues. Like, everyone goes through these things. Like, 
my dad died a few weeks after that actually probably a week after that like it was all a bit mad but you know what I was like when I did the planter I was like I'm just going to do this one last thing and I'm going to promise myself I'm going to enjoy it and I listened to Joyce DiDonato's Desert Island Discs for about three days before I did it <laughs> on repeat and as I was in the wings I was like I, I'd read maybe she'd said it she I was like laughing I was just convincing like tricking my body into thinking that I wasn't nervous so I was like like quietly because obviously I was in the wings I do that so much <laughs> Uh, every single audition I've been to in the last three years, I'll go in, I'll be like the super chattiest person, I'll be like, oh my god, I'm so fine, I'm so fine, I'm so fine, and like holding back tears. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I didn't know that that was a thing. So, you know, normally before an audition, I'd be all zen, I'd be all like, you know, gotta keep my cool and all this, and then as soon as you get into the wings, adrenaline just pours through your body, and you're like, oh no, here we go. And then you start worrying, you're like, nervous. La, 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 la. Anyway, I did this Planter Opera Prize. Planter being somewhere I was very comfortable in because, I mean, I've done shows there for them and they're such a lovely company. But I just enjoyed it. I was like, oh, actually, if you just enjoy yourself like I used to do in my undergrad and just, you know, <laughs> be a bit more carefree about things, then you can actually do it. It's like, it's just trick. Just trick yourself. So, um... Then, yeah, so then after that, I felt, oh, okay, so maybe you've got a bit of your mojo back here. And I just started working bloody hard on my technique. Uh, like, seriously, like, really thinking about it. Because I I hadn't for a while, you know. I'd been doing roles, like, loads of roles. And, you know, the Guildhall is all... A lot of it is about your um, performance and your your honesty and your acting. And it, I'd sort of put my technique on the, on the back a little bit, you know. So... I entered the Guild Limeborn Opera Cup on a whim. I was like, well, do you know what? I'm just going to see what happens. And when I got through to the semis, I mean, that was so cool. I actually came out of my audition, my first round audition, thinking that was awful. Um, and they actually filmed me afterwards. <laughs> and I, I said to, I came out, I was really hormonal at that, during that audition, actually. And... Um, <laughs> I came out, I was like, oh no, it was just awful. She was like, do you want to do a little snippet? I was like, well, I need to like pretend that it went well. So she like filmed me and I was like, yeah, it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> but hey, they didn't play that, thank God, because it probably would have come across as like me pretending. But anyway, so I got through to the semis and that was my achievement. I'd achieved what I wanted to. And it was great. Yeah, great, great fun. I play, I play like um, fun music before I go on and trust that I've done the work before to just mm. let loose on stage to just whatever happens happens you've done your work your muscle memory will do its job obviously you have to like think as well but not so much that you can't that you can't cope with the with the stress yeah. of it all so it's good fun yeah yeah. Um, among all the many projects that you've done and engagements, we noticed you've also been really dedicating a lot of time to charity concerts, and you've been able to raise over thirty-five thousand pounds. What was the, yeah, <laughs> um, what was the motivation behind this? What inspired you to start this? Yeah. So um, when I was about sort of seventeen, eighteen. Uh, I met this really lovely lady called Carol Dawson. When um, I basically I was called up and asked to do uh, my first gig, <laughs> if you will, and it was to sing at a ball. And yeah, it was like my first ever gig and uh, the, my A-level teacher had put me forward to do it. 
and they'd advised me to charge £150. So I remember being sat around a table with my parents and on the phone to Carol, who by, at this point, I, you know, I thought she was really scary and I had to do my first sort of like talking professionally on the phone and stuff. Anyway, um, it was very exciting. I did this gig for her. It went really well. And then she was like, let's do um, a concert because she lives really close to Bolton Abbey in Yorkshire, which is this beautiful setting. So she was like, let's do this. And, you know, so I can't claim that I have raised £35,000 on my own. Like, I haven't. But um, with Carol, over the last 10 or so, it's actually 10 years since the first concert because I was meant to do a 10-year anniversary concert last weekend. Uh, but that obviously didn't happen. But, you know, we've done about... I mean, I can't even tell you how many concerts we've done. Um, and... The great thing about doing them, I mean, you know, you don't need Carol <laughs> to do it if you if you wanted to do it yourself. All you need is, you know, your, your mum and dad or the family member. You need to know your local community and just get out there, you know, um, ask a graphic designer to do some flyers and it's basically just turn up and do something. Um, but over time, you know, I... I, 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 well, I got amazing performance opportunities and a huge um, confidence from them because they were my thing. So it was my concert. I could sing whatever I wanted. You know, at 17, 18, I'd only really just started singing proper music. So Carol Your Ben and things like that. <laughs> um, but actually, I, I used to do all the crossover stuff and, you know, that was like my target audience. But, the, you know, they loved it. And then over the years, they supported me by coming back and um the more sort of more audience that i got in um you know we did we did a concert at chatsworth house which was just incredible in the painted hall and that was for macmillan so we could really we really whacked the prices up it was like 75 pounds a ticket and did this concert there and so yeah i mean that's how we raised the money for the charity we also did a raffle um, and everyone got paid so um pianist i got paid a fee out of the profits and you know, we everything else went to, to charity and it was great. It was just great fun. It was like a highlight for me with, you know, you could really just do what you wanted. And so, you know, mm. if, if you need a motivator, it's basically, it'll give you loads of confidence and performance opportunities. The charity is a huge bonus, you know. Yeah. And it's, as you said, it's kind of, you're there raising money for charity, but you met a lot of sponsors through that way as well. So it's a... Uh, beneficial a good good thing to think about pick your location like if you're going to do a concert like I think make it a really nice venue don't I mean you can I did lots in like more local churches and things like that but when they were in like Bolton Abbey or there was this gorgeous little church like really quaint places I mean Uh. you can you you get a certain you get an audience in there and you make it a really special like enchanting experience that can you know that just wins people over and you know be honest and speak to your audience honestly about your training and I think people just like love following that journey so um you know and seeing my voice every year I'd go back they'd be like oh my god your voice has changed so much and you know that it's then they feel so involved in your your development and that's how you can then potentially ask um people to help fund your training so 
Yeah, it's a really good way to do it, I'd say. It, it's amazing, Alex, like everything that you've you've done so far. Um, it's been a really exciting journey and I've loved hearing about it. We've loved hearing about it. Um, but could you tell us what, what your future holds? I know you've got a few plans, but amongst COVID and everything, um, what what's going to happen in the near future for you? Yeah, I... The days just fly by and I and I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I'm just becoming a housewife or something. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I can't say what's happening in... Uh, at the Royal Opera House I mean I've been watching the live streams and they seem really positive actually yeah um and they're they're being really um inventive I think with with what they're going to do and I think you know hopefully from September they're going to sort of up their their game in that sense and like certainly hopefully provide some opportunities for the artists Mm -hmm. um to carry on making music well that's what I'm hoping anyway but you know it might mean that I don't start until January Mm-hmm. Or even they might. Can you imagine they might postpone it by a year? A year. They could do oh. so. There's so much that could happen. Um, at the end that's, of the day, do anything if we can't get an audience in. It's just it's that simple. That's also the incredible thing. That it's like kind of as if this entire year has been just wiped away. And I'm I'm interested to see what's going to happen because also none of these opera houses in the UK are able to support themselves without government help and. We will have to see what happens, but it is amazing that because we kind of skipped over it. But you are go- potentially a member of the Eddie Parker, also opera studio, yeah. a young artist program. Young artist program is what it yeah. is. We also had um, Stephanie Wake Edwards on here a couple of weeks ago, who's currently a member, and she is, um, and she told us a little bit about it. But it's really it, it must be so um, exciting to be able to have been accepted. Yeah, I mean, this year's just been absolutely mad. Like, COVID aside, mm-hmm. I was just, you know, I've been really lucky. Um, so I, the Yossi Park was, I mean, it was my number one goal. You know, last, I did audition for Opera uh, Studios the year before, didn't get, get in. So um, that's, well, I got into NOS. It's amazing as well. Mm-hmm. But a different, very different thing, because it's not within an opera house. But, you know, I just wasn't ready, and I think that's, absolutely acceptable in the moment you don't feel like it's you can't see the light you're like oh, I'm, a, I'm not gonna have a career and you know it's really hard but you just carry on going pick yourself back up and carry on going um there's a saying there isn't there keep pick it what is it pick yourself Stop. up dust us off and start all over again <laughs> i'm thinking of all the old movies <laughs> when, when i finally got on it was just incredible and I think that is, again gave you get, everything is like a line you know mm. uh, you get one thing and it gives you confidence to do the next thing you know would I have had the confidence to go so far in the blind born cop if I hadn't got the yes Parker probably not you know your self-doubt yeah. starts in and it, it's all like a string so you, you hold on to the good things like hold on to you know when you win the plant off a prize hold on to that think to yourself oh you can do it so what's the difference no difference between this and the blind ball there's no difference between an audition for something that i got never hot opera and the yes parker program you know you just gotta trick your brain a little bit but yeah getting that was so cool and um i just hope pray that 
we get to start in September. We'll keep our fingers crossed for you. <laughs> um, but I'm sure, you know, whatever happens, um, people will follow along your journey and, and whatever happens, it'll be, it'll be the right thing and you'll still expose yourself and grow in the next uh, in the next part of your journey um so just before we round up if you could give one piece of advice um to a young artist branching out into the opera world after graduating from conservatoire what would that yeah. be um can i give a few <laughs> yes of course more <laughs> the merrier yeah <laughs> it's really hard to just give one isn't it but i'd say um if you're leaving conservatoire i would just uh, this is really obvious, but just work really hard. Not not like your normal level, like absolutely hard, like completely invest yourself in everything you do. Don't leave any room for winging it or, you know, oh, just be so solid. You know, when you listen to Joyce Donato and you listen to them talking about how they work, you're like, you really realise how, how much detail you need to put in. <laughs> and so I recommend doing that. And it's just what I've done, you know. Um, I'd also say don't compare yourself to anybody because, you know, like people might listen to this interview and, you know, you might be in your undergraduate or whatever and you think, oh, I need to do, right, so that's how you get onto the Yeti Parker or that's how you get into the Guildhall Opera School. It's just not the case because there's me and there's every other person that's got onto the Yeti Parker will have their own journey and path and, you know, they might not have won the competitions and they might have just had this natural ability to sing from, and you know, like people like Senya, who is at the National Opera Studio with me, she's also going to see Yes Parker, mm-hmm. you know, a completely different journey. But so don't, don't think you need to do anything particularly mm-hmm. to get forward. Just nail your auditions and just sing technically, sing really well. That's the foundation for everything, you know. Um, and our also final thing is to check in with your um, mental health mm-hmm. uh, because and I know like people do talk about it a lot, but seriously, it's so easy to think you're fine and then suddenly realise you're not. Not that you know, not that I personally went through like a really really bad depression or anything, but when you're a singer um, and you rely so much on you know, your, it's your body, it's everything you do is your, it's your, your body, it's your voice. Um, and as soon as you start to wobble, how can all of that possibly function for you? Mm. Even in the smallest way, if, if your mind is in a confidence, whether it's, um, like I say, even your technique, it's all so connected. So just make sure that you're really look, looking after that and have a, a group of people around you who you really trust. Mm-hmm. Um, your peers are not good people to talk to about stuff. Honestly, they might sometimes you might think that you've got the best friends in the world, but they're going through their own issues. You know, don't put um, your 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 stresses of your career and everything on them because you know everyone's got their own thing going on. Just trust your family and trust your singing teacher. I mean, singing teachers deserve a medal because they're basically psychiatrists. Yep. Um, <laughs> Those are the people, like the, the people that run the programs that you're on. Those are the people that you can trust and take advice from, um, and just make sure you, yeah, look after yourself. Fantastic advice. Soaking <laughs> all of that up. Great. Yeah.
Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been amazing to get to know you. I'm, I'm so happy you were free to do this with us. Oh, it's all right. We've got plenty of time. It's been a <laughs> real pleasure. And where is it, yeah. where is it that um, people can find you on your website, social media and stuff? Yes. Yeah. Um, best thing to, well, at the moment, there's not very much going on. So, <laughs> you know, you can find my biography and things like that on my website. But... Follow me on Instagram. That's how I suppose we connected, and that's yeah. where I put uh, most sort of relevant information uh, at the moment. I'm actually well. I don't like normally. I don't like telling people if I'm entering a competition <laughs> because I'm like I don't like anyone to know unless I'm going to get through. <laughs> uh, but so two years ago, I entered the Portofino uh, Concorso Lirico Internazionale. Um, I didn't get through the first round, so I literally flew over to Portofino, auditioned, and didn't get through to the semis or anything. But they re this competition is going ahead, crazy in these crazy times. Wow! Uh, but they're doing it, I think, without an audience, and uh, so I've decided to enter that. So I'm actually driving over to like south of uh, well, it's it's northern Italy in a way, and entering a competition. So that's like my neck. I will let you all know. I guess on. Um, Please document that travel yeah. journey. <laughs> yeah, follow me on Instagram, and I'll, I'll um, keep you all updated on on the situation. And uh, yeah, hopefully I'll get through at least in the semis or something. But hey, you never know. You never know. <laughs> oh, that's great. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. asked what's your most memorable audition slash interview experience <laughs> i mean i mean it's you've got to be this, very open with this one haven't you <laughs> this week's question was all thanks to you and this is a great question because we got some really i got some really great responses yeah can i start with one that my best friend sent in now my best friend's not a musician she is a scientist <laughs> but she sent this in trying out for charlotte's web I was like eight. Had to sing a song. Didn't get in. You asked You asked in your stories, lol. I just wanted to be a part of it. Well, she's more than welcome to be a part of it. And, you know, if I had the opportunity to uh, audition for Charlotte's Web, then, I'd, you know, I'd take that. Uh, uh, I just love her. I miss her so much. Anyway. Then we had Claire Attempts said, I sang the soprano solo from Brahms Weckwit. <laughs> Brahms Requiem at my RCM audition. They asked me what my favourite recording of it was. I couldn't remember any of the recordings I had listened to, so I panicked and said Leotine Price. I looked later and she never recorded it ever, but I looked like an idiot. Fair enough. I mean, to put someone on the spot to ask them what their favorite recording of something is, I'd be like, ugh. Ooh, to be oh, honest, oh. I couldn't answer that. Like, I, you know, I, for, for also, everything, I, I like think. Yeah, and I also feel like sometimes we just automatically find one recording where, like, oh, we'll stick to this. Doesn't matter if it's good or not. It's just like, yeah, yeah. stick to this just because I need something to reference to. Exactly. But yeah. that's, a, that's a mean question to ask someone on the spot. Yeah. Um, another one that we got from. Johanna Hatt, she goes, thumbs up, your voice has so much potential, come back next year. And then, thumbs down, he stared at my chest. Oh. 
wow, wow, wow. Wow, very honest, though. Thank you. Very honest. Um, Thank you very much for that one. That's awful. We are so sorry that that happened to you. Oh, dreadful. Um, Then we had Rebecca Richardson that said, I did what singers should never, ever do and impulsively pulled out an old old song that I hadn't looked at or practised in months for the first round of a competition. I ended up forgetting the text halfway through and consequently jumped to the last page of the song, which I'm sure the pianist loved. God, I'm getting nervous reading this. I'm so nervous for her. (laughs) After spending the rest of the day kicking myself about how unprofessional I had been, I received an email saying that I had made it to the semi-final round. Well done. Still such a mystery to me. See? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we advocate on this podcast with the likes of Jennifer Johnston. And in this podcast today with Alex, it's kind of, you know, never, ever... um, wing it you know always be prepared yeah Um, but I'm glad that worked out for you Rebecca (laughs) yeah Matthias 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 I'm so sorry if I pronounced your name incorrectly but they say a professional uh, a professor went back in the audition auditorium with his hands to his ears implying I wasn't heard what that's that's Some people, some people, some people. Oh, what's oh uh, what's yours, Avi? Mine. Um. Oh. Do you want to answer? I mean, <laughs> I do. I just I, I thought about it yesterday, and then I forgot which one I came to the conclusion to share. But, I mean, I think the first round of auditions I did in the UK back when I was twenty, mm. when I didn't get in anywhere, mm. I was like so sure that whatever I did was fine, that I just kept going. And then when they asked me questions at the end, you know, and they say yeah. like, you know, ask us on any, all of your questions. And I'm like, I, don't know. I think not knowing how the British system worked very well yeah. put me on my feet and I got very nervous and I just asked really stupid questions. And I think not knowing what to ask at the end really put, like, it's just one of those things where it's like, you're not prepared for this. I think I got I get more nervous when people ask me questions than I'm singing. Yeah. But I definitely have to say at my RCM audition back five years ago, they asked me to sing like a D major scale and I couldn't do it. I was so nervous. I was just like uh, Can you can you just give me the first note again? Huh? Uh, 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 uh. Wow. Not not singing it at all. I don't even know what I did there. What about you? I was thinking about this as well, um, and the experience as a whole, not the, the audition was very standard, you know, audition, um, but I had, uh, my audition for BYO this year was a real challenge for me, right? So I think my audition time was at like 9.30 at night. I know, they were so late. Yeah, and it was on the other side of London from where I live. I was about an hour and a half from where I lived, so... Um, I'd been at the academy all day and I had all of my stuff and I wasn't going to travel east. I just hung around and then went west. And um, there was a Costa opposite, like by the National Opera Studio. So I was hanging around in there and then I got changed for the audition in the Costa toilets, (laughs) which was like by the end of the day, because it was the end of their day, it was just 
oh so stinky um <laughs> and i just felt disgusting and then costa closed obviously costa closed at like half eight so yeah. then i was like i can't just stand on the street for all this time so i then went into the pub next to the <laughs> next to the opera studio which um i was obviously just sitting there looking quite dressed up on my own for like an hour and then just left. So I definitely looked like I'd been like stood up on a day instead of that pub. I was also sat like drinking water as well. I was, <laughs> so that was uh, that was quite a, an experience. <laughs> I can see this all playing out. And it's so like, that happened to me so many times. Also like you come to an audition. I mean, when I went to my uh, Glasgow audition, I was just sitting there like, well, I have nowhere to go. My B&B is finished, so I have all my stuff with me. Yeah. Where do the hell, where do I go now? <laughs> well, there, there's some great stories there. Um, thanks for sharing yeah. those with us. Thank you so much, guys. week's podcast thank you so much for listening if you would like to support this podcast please feel free to come check us out on patreon where you can find all sorts of goodies and special behind the scenes stuff that only is for you and our very special patreons and thank you so much um for alex for coming on and speaking to us it was really great to get to know you and please do check out alex on instagram on her journeys around italy at the moment i think yeah um be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast as well on spotify or apple wherever you're listening to us that will really help us out um and don't forget to follow us also on instagram twitter and facebook so you can always be sure when something's happening or just check out some fun things and be involved anyway that's all for this week i guess we'll see you next week guys bye bye